0: And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right.
1: Oh, but it is.
0: Who are you?
1: I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to TaxAct. TaxAct? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more.
0: New forecast. It's
1: sunny days ahead for everyone using TaxAct. Always happy to brighten your day. Switch to TaxAct today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, I, Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Today we have such a special treat for you. We're coming off of such a good event last night. It was the first in our Make Us Richer series, which is all about enriching our minds and our wallets and being unapologetic for wanting both. So the first up in this series was by none other than Dixie Roberts of Hangar 4. She gave us so much great, actionable, amazing, incredible information last night at the event and uh, we wanted to preview some of it in today's episode for you. So it's such a treat. If you want to attend more events just like this, keep an eye out of course on our Facebook page, our Instagram, our newsletter, but you can always just go directly to iamwim.com slash events and you'll see all of our upcoming events. I'll give you a little preview of some of them. Um, the next up in our Make us richer series is about creator development by none other than Brittany Hennessy who literally wrote the book on influencer marketing. That one is specifically for talent managers. It's going to be an incredible event or if you just really want to get to know talent better it's an event for you and uh, we have a really really exciting event with TikTok. Um, It's a fireside chat with them and we also have a diversity panel coming up. We're speaking with three talent managers who have focused on diverse talent for years and we're hearing directly from them what their experience has been um, over the past many years and obviously, of course, in the last month or two um, in particular. So without further ado, we're going to jump into it. Enjoy Dixie. You're going to love her.
0: This is, uh, you know, the business of new business pitching. I am here to kind of speak to all things new business. I I really want to be able to talk to both the seasoned professionals in the room uh, and also the beginners, those of you who've maybe only pitched a couple pieces of new business um, or haven't pitched at all and are excited to kind of try your hand and uh, and give it a go for the first time. So a little something for everyone, um, but we're going to dive right in. First of all, Jesse gave me a great introduction, uh, but I just want to dive in a little bit more about myself. Uh, I have been living that agency life for over five years now. Uh, I think uh, agency life is like dog years, so that's like 35 years. Um, and uh, But I do love it. I love the grind. Uh, I love the madness, um, even the madness today and all days. Um, I have done over 400 new business pitches. This was a a fun metric to figure out uh, with a colleague of mine. Um, So everything from from Tiny Biz to uh, SeaWorld, uh, the the veritable whale, um, actual SeaWorld. I'm responsible um, and have won uh, and managed some of uh, our agency's biggest clients. Uh, I work with L'Oreal Paris, Caboodles, which I feel like is very indicative of this proposal, <laughs> feels very Caboodles, um, Zenni Optical, uh, and Oracle. So I have, I've been in the room for all of these pitches and now uh, many of them are, are still my clients. Uh, and most interestingly, and what I'm gonna dive into here in a minute, and I promise, I promise it means something, um, is that I was a professional opera singer before I became a digital marketer. Um, so what what does that mean? And why is a professional opera singer telling you how to win new business? Um, well, besides the fact that you get to see uh, me in some very atrocious wigs and even a mustache, um, what I love about new business is that, it, it really kind of gives you an opportunity to be so creative. And that is really why I have grown to love being at an agency and being in, in this position because when I get a new proposal or an RFP across my desk, all of a sudden it opens up so many possibilities. We can do whatever we want and a lot of times the sky's the limit. And that really speaks to the musician and the performer in me. Um, new business pitching is a performance. Um, it's a different kind of stage, but it's very much a performance and you need to be the star. You need to walk onto that stage and you need to own the room uh, and, and really kind of have that connection with your colleagues that I had with my colleagues on the stage, uh, wearing less makeup, <laughs> of course, most days, um, but uh, definitely, definitely having an incredible connection. And sometimes you have to improvise. <laughs> Um, those are, are definitely the moments that I am the most thankful for my theatrical chaining. Uh, and think that communications degrees should come with improv classes because there are times where you get thrown a curveball that you had no idea was coming and, and you really have to find a way to work it out in the room in front of the CMO, the CEO. Uh, and, and when you have those moments, you, you need to know how to think on your feet. So with that, uh, I have put together a little toolkit that I'm gonna kind of walk you guys through. Uh, I'm gonna try to be as uh, not gimmicky as possible. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of new business is like putting on a new pair of socks. I, (laughs) and that's not really my jam. So I really want to give you guys a a great toolkit that you can kind of refer back to uh, and think about when you are uh, approaching new business. So first off, and again, very kind of stepping back to the basics. I realize this is, uh, this is number 101 for most of us, uh, but I think it's, it's really important because no two requests for proposals are the same. Um, so, so now that you have that proposal, what happens next? This is really the first step and the, and the first moment where you're gonna set yourself up for success uh, to make sure that you have all the information you need to walk in the room and win that business. So what are you looking for when you're reading an RFP? Really, when it, when it comes to these RFPs that come across your desk, it, it, it is the job of the client to give you as much information as you need. And some clients are better than others <laughs> at giving you this information. So if that information doesn't exist, you need to make sure that it is not available and you ask those questions ASAP. So when you're diving into this RFP, a lot of times I love to do kind of a search feature. I, I love I do my, you know, control find on my Mac and I look for keywords. I look for words like social media, influencers, digital, um, ROI, KPIs. And I, I, I find those words because sometimes these RFPs can be as short as one page and as long as 99. I think we just recently got a 99 page RFP, which is a lot. Um, so what you're looking for, you, you want to find mentions of your discipline. You want to see if there is mentions of digital social influencer uh, and make sure uh, that you kind of see what they're looking for within those disciplines uh, to, to make sure that you're you're hitting their needs within the RFP. Who are their key audiences? Do they have key audiences? Um, do we have access to any of, uh, you know, could they give us access to their Google analytics? Could we see uh, any of their Facebook ads to know who they're targeting? Sometimes clients are willing to give you access to those things, which when I first found that out was very shocking to me, because it feels like a very, um, a very kind of private access to uh, a platform that is not your client yet. Uh, but I think a lot of times now, businesses, especially in this climate, are moving so quickly that they want to make sure that you have as much information as you need. And so if that means giving you access to their Google Analytics and their Facebook Analytics to make sure that you can see everything that you need to to give them a proposal that will win, they're going to do it. Uh, And then finally, KPIs. Uh, This is the name of the game. Uh, Gone are the days of brand awareness. So we need to make sure that if KPIs are not established within this document, if they're not saying, I want to engage influencers on behalf of our brand to sell product, that you say, why do you want to engage influencers? Are you engaging influencers because you want to move product on your website because you just launched e-comm? Are you looking to book appointments? get emails. There are so many different ways to measure success and clients really see success on such a sliding scale that you want to know walking in the door what those KPIs are so that you're building an entire proposal around that. If their entire goal is to build their email marketing list and you create an entire proposal built around selling their product, I personally as a client would still be very excited. But that said, The goal was to get email signups, and and you need to find a way to do that, and you need to make sure that you're hitting that goal. So as I mentioned, asking the right questions. Um, I think the biggest question here, and I know many of you who come from the influencer world uh, are gonna really resonate with this, is how much do they know about influencers? Have they ever worked with influencers before? Have they done large-scale influencer programming? Are you talking to their head of PR or their head of integrated marketing who usually comes from the PR world? Or are you talking to their head of social media? Um, discover their comfort level as soon as possible so that you can tailor your proposal around that. And you can make sure that if your proposal needs a piece of education, that you're delivering that. And if not, and if they are seasoned professionals, if there is the head of global social media who just launched a gigantic influencer program and was in charge of it last year and now needs help to build it out further then you're diving into the specifics and you're talking about things like engagement rate and breakdown of influencer audiences um, in a really granular way that will excite them. Uh, What's the budget? this is i was i was telling uh jesse uh i i'm very prepared to talk about new business because it's pretty much all i've been doing this week i feel like every brand woke up and realized that this environment is here to stay and that we need to find a way to spend money and make money and so all the proposals came out of the woodwork this week and the biggest question i've had on every single call is how much money do you want to spend what is your out of pocket especially for influencers A lot of people aren't used to talking about out-of-pocket budgets, especially if they don't know about influencer marketing, and they haven't really thought about it as an out-of-pocket versus a retainer. And so if you're walking in the door and saying, I can do this for $8,000, they're like, cool, we want to spend $6,000 on influencers. (laughs) Then you're in trouble. Uh, So really finding ways to make sure that you are breaking out and finding out ASAP, what their budget is, if they don't have a budget, then you're coming to them with a budget recommendation that breaks things out extremely granular uh, so they understand how you work and how you can be successful for them. Finally is timelines. And this is another one that's really hit me hard this week because everyone is realizing they need to really work fast to make things happen. And while I love to work fast and that's agency life, there is a certain a certain timeline in which we can be successful and a certain timeline which we cannot. It's hard to show a client success in a month, uh, it, especially when it comes to, sure, you can activate 10 influencers and they can all post at the same time and they can post one time and you can say, we got 9 million impressions. You know, then that influencer never posts about that brand again. Their audience never sees that content again. And you know, what was the value for the client in the long run? what we really want to recommend to all of our clients is working on at very least a three month project. Most, we, would, we would much prefer a six month project. Uh, and especially in these times, I think people are hesitant to sign on to year long contracts, even six month contracts. But if you can show them the value in three months uh, versus one month, that's really where you want to go. So make sure that you are, even if you can show that with fee, Sometimes uh, you know, if you are only getting a month, you have to cram so many hours of work into one month. So you should show that value to your client and make them spend more money <laughs> um, versus three months where you can spread that time out a little bit more uh, and, and you can really show them the value and say, listen, if I'm gonna do this for one month, it's gonna cost you $20,000. But if I can do this over three months, I can do it for you know, 8K a month. Um, and, and that helps your bottom line, and it, it's gonna help theirs in the long run as well. All right, so now that we've taken a dive into the RFP, it's time to get to know the client. Um, ahead of that pitch, you wanna make sure you know as much as possible. Um, and, and you know, just again, going back to my, to my stage training, this is for me learning my lines, learning the notes, um, and knowing the cues, or I'm gonna walk out on stage and fall flat on my face. <laughs> So here is where you want to make sure that you know not only about the brand, but you know about the client um, and you know who's going to be in the room. Um, you know, check out, you know, make sure you email the client ahead of time and say who's going to be in the room. Uh, and if you get those names, jump on LinkedIn and find out who these people are. Find out if you have any connections. Um, I have... <laughs> I have encountered many theater folk in my time um, doing a dive on, <laughs> including Jesse, um, <laughs> uh, doing a dive on LinkedIn um, ahead of pitches. And so I can walk in the room and say, oh my God, you were at UMish? Uh, do you know my friend Patrick? Like He was a collaborative pianist there and they actually knew each other. Um, so be able to walk in the room armed with as much knowledge as you can about the people who are there because those are the decision makers. Also know who the decision makers are. Um, and it's okay to ask. There are probably, you know, sometimes there are upwards of six or seven people in the room and it could be their social media manager because that's maybe the most senior person they have on social, but then it's their CMO. So obviously their social media manager, unfortunately probably isn't the decision maker, but you wanna make sure that you know everything you can about that person and about the CMO cause they're the ones that are gonna be pulling the trigger. what has the brand done previously? I think some of the most um, uh, difficult pitches that I've been in really early on in my career were moments where we walked in the room and pitched to them what we thought was an incredible idea. And it turns out it was an incredible idea and they did it last year. (laughs) So make sure that you know what they've done. Pull up the press Pull up, do a Google, like do a Google alert for them so you know what they're doing right now. Do the history search, check their Instagram, check their social, um, do a hashtag search, like see if you can't find some of their influencers or if you know their influencer disclosure tag. If I know for L'Oreal Paris, we do L'Oreal Paris partner. So check the hashtag, see who they've worked with so you're not walking in the door and saying, hey, you guys should really work with Jessie Millay. And they're like, cool, we already work with her. so, so really, really take a few, just take a few minutes and do that research, and it will save you awkward moments in the long run. Um, <clears throat> what is their brand aesthetic? This is something that we have started to do. Uh, you know, we're so very lucky at Hanger Four to be a full creative shop. So we have designers and and kind of branding experts. And what we've started to do with new new pitches is. We reach out to their team and say, hey, can you share your brand book with us? Um, And so that's going to be fonts, colors, um, just kind of their look and feel and aesthetic. And it really makes such a huge difference when you walk in the room and they are looking at a deck that looks like them. And this is something I do want to caveat that we save for... The, the big business right we say for the sea world the l'oreal paris the oracles um we can't do it for everyone <laughs> it is very time consuming but when you're looking at a big ticket item and a big piece of new business do the work because it'll make the difference um and also find out what their tone of voice is check out their website their social media and and read their copy And so your copywriter, or you, who may be the copywriter, um, can really get a feel for how to speak in their language. Additionally, I think this is the biggest one that we have learned over the years is, you know, what are their opportunities? Um, You're walking in to pitch new business to them. So they clearly know that they need something more. And so it doesn't behoove you to walk in and be like, we love your Instagram. Because they might not. They might see it as something that they have a huge opportunity for, and they don't love the look and feel, or they feel like the images are falling flat. Um, or you want to be kind, and you're like, you know, it's it's like, okay, be, you know, be critical in a, in a kind way. We, we tend to, what we do is we'll do successes and opportunities, um, and we will split up in the deck, and we'll choose if we are going in um, talking about social media, for example, um, and we're gonna help them with content creation, we'll choose three pieces of content that we feel like were successes for them based on engagement rate, look and feel, uh, and just the overall aesthetic. And then we'll pick three that we feel like kind of fell a little flat. So we're still telling them, hey, you're doing some things right. But here are some opportunities for you. And same thing for influencers. Uh, You know, look at how they have engaged with influencers in the past. If you see that they're doing just one-off posting, that's an opportunity right there to say, here's a great influencer that you worked with, but I saw that they only posted about your brand one time. Would you, you know, a consideration that we would recommend is working with them for a three to six month contract. So really finding those chances to tell them how you can very specifically, don't just say we can do better. Say this is specifically how we can do better for you. Next up is now that you have all the information about your client, you read the RFP. It's time to put together your proposal that you are going to walk in the room with. And sometimes that can feel very daunting. A lot of times you'll have a brainstorm with your team, which I love a brainstorm. Uh, and I will say, I uh, work remotely, and I'm sure you, everyone's working remotely now. Um, I don't, I don't know if Jesse mentioned it, but I. I work remotely full-time. Uh, I live in Denver. My agency is in New York. And I will say the singular most difficult thing being remote is doing brainstorms. And, I, and it sucks. And I've, I've had to figure it out. Uh, because it's one of my favorite things. I love just throwing ideas at the wall, um, but throwing ideas at the wall and being on the phone and, and trying to feel like you're not interrupting everyone at any given moment is difficult, <laughs> but uh, definitely some skill, a skill that I'm trying to hone uh, a little bit better because I do love brainstorms and I, I don't want to dislike them, and they're extremely important in the world of new business. So this is how we tend to structure our new business proposals. And it it really has helped us so much in in kind of wrapping our head around an idea and making sure that everything ladders up to that idea because it's so easy, especially with some of these really sexy brands. If you get a really sexy brand come across your desk and everybody's really excited um, to, to get so many incredible ideas. But if you walk in the room and you just have slide after slide after slide of cool ideas that don't connect to anything, they're gonna say, okay, great, you guys are idea machines, but what is the overall campaign? What are, we, what are we saying and what is a consistent thread through all that we are saying through this next calendar year for marketing? So we have started our brainstorms now for all of our clients with a campaign And we say now that you've done the research on the the brand, what have you observed? What are their opportunities? Who are they talking to? And how can we turn that into a campaign? Um, You know, I this is this is where it needs to be something extremely overarching. It can't be. I wouldn't recommend it being very specific. So I would say um, something like "women are powerful" is a great campaign (laughs) because everything can ladder up to that. You can ladder up holiday, you can ladder up, um, influencer programming, you can ladder up social media advertising, everything to that. Uh, but doing something super specific, like, um, I'm trying to think of an example, but, uh, you really want to stay just, I don't want to say vague, um, but, but keep it really overarching. Um, so you can make sure that every single piece of your, Uh, campaign throughout the year and your campaign ideas can fit underneath that marketing idea. So next up, now you have your idea. We're going to do women is powerful. Fantastic. So now we want to make sure that our campaign idea is backed up by data. So if they've given you access to their Google Analytics suite, if, if they haven't, maybe you've been able to do some deep diving on your own. I know um, we all have platforms that we love and use. I know some of you on the call are from some of those platforms that we love and use um, to make sure that, that we are uh, speaking to the right audience. Uh, if, if your campaign idea is women is powerful and their audience is 70% men, that might not work. So make sure uh, that you are really taking that data and, and, and making sure that it connects to every single idea that you have and definitely connects to your overarching campaign. So maybe their audience is 70% men, but they want their audience to be primarily women. Been fantastic, this is a great idea. And make sure to say that and make sure to say, this is an idea that based on the data, we see that your audience is 70% men and you are looking for a, a primarily female audience and you would like it to be a diverse female audience and here's how we're gonna do it. So make sure that you are always just kind of referring back to that data. We like to put the, a data slide early in our deck um, to really kind of start off on the right foot and say, here's what we know about your brand. And that can be anything from, you know, actually looking at the analytics of their platforms to from the PR angle. um, You know, our PR teams quite frequently will go to media and say, hey, what do you know about L'Oreal Paris? Um, Tell us what you think about Oracle. Um, And so we can kind of also get a feel for what people in the media and what their media targets think and know about the brand. So those are, even though those are a little more subjective, uh, those are helpful as well. So now that you have your campaign, you've connected it to your data, now it's time to get into the nitty gritty. This is where your creative pillars come in. So this is where you're going to build out your social, your events, your influencer, PR, um, this is where you're kind of going to build. I like to build in a calendar year. So, and calendar year for marketing. So, you're thinking maybe you're going to make sure, and you can pick, you want to make sure you hit summer, back to school, holiday. And then, um, you know, those are your three big ideas, your three big creative pillars. And then you have ongoing in between that. And a lot of times that can be your influencer activation. So, you can activate your influencers. Uh, throughout the year and do ongoing deliverables which is exciting for any brand if you explain to them the benefit of ongoing deliverables because they know that there's going to be content about their brand throughout the year regardless of the campaign Um, and and it's and it's going to be a, a kind of continuous conversation for them. And then finally, uh, and I'll never stop talking about them, is KPIs. Uh, So at the very end, you want to make sure that you say, hey, we're going to do all this really cool stuff for you. It's all connected and it's going to speak to your audience. And this is how we're going to measure it. And this is what we're going to hold ourselves to, to show success. And so they know right up front that one, you care about data, you care about metrics, and two, that... That you're holding yourself accountable, and you're you're showing that um, you're you're setting an expectation early. So you're not you're not promising something. You don't walk in the door after they hire you, and they're like, "Cool, we're really excited about your campaign, and we hope that we can go viral," which is two words that everyone in digital marketing hates. <laughs> so we want to we want to keep our clients away from words like going viral, and we want them to be more focused on things like the actual metrics like engagements, like return on investment, like return on ad sales. So this is really how you can set that benchmark early. Do not be afraid to, to identify and lift up those people on your team who are amazing at new business. So you, you know, first off when it comes to being in the room This is, you know, where we go back to knowing who's going to be in the room. If you know they're going to have five people in the room, don't walk in with 10. (laughs) Um, You know, gone are the days, um, RIP, of being at a big advertising or PR agency where walking in the door with an army is a show of strength. Um, It is now a show of dollars. So if, if, a, if a company sees you walk in with 10 people and they have five, they instantly think, oh boy, they're going to be really expensive. And that's scary for them. And they instantly are turned off. Really, you know, find ways to um, really like slim down your team. Really be, these are the days of lean and scrappy agencies and scrappy teams. Um, we have won most of our new business Uh, with one representative from each of our teams. We have teams in social, influencer, branding, uh, video production, and events. And so that means at very max, if we're doing like a full-fledged 360 proposal with everything, we have five people in the room. And if we're doing all of those things, that's probably for a pretty big brand. Um, But usually there's, you know, two or three of us so really think about who are your key players and don't feel like, I, I do think this is um, sometimes more um, PR focused, but don't feel like, okay, I have to have an account, exec, an account executive in the room who's going to be there day to day. It is important. And they obviously want to make sure that there aren't two people walking in the room to pitch them this new business. And then they never talk to them again. That's a whole nother thing. So it is important to make sure that you don't have a team who just pitches new business. And then they never touch that business. <sighs> Um, but at the same time, it, it is important to, to really just have those couple players who are really fantastic and, and really know, know the game um, and, and can pitch and win that business.
1: All right, guys, we are going to end it there. What a teaser that was. Um, So, like I mentioned, we've got so many events like this one. Um, If you do want to see the full video, we are going to be including it in our premium membership site that we are going to be launching in the near future. So, keep an eye out for that. But if you want to attend other events and experience them live so that you can ask some questions, you can get to know people in the group yourself, you can always go to iamwhim.comslash events. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next
0: week.